Welcome to episode 2, Electric Boogaloo of Story Mode, a video game podcast brought to you by Fan Critical. My name's Jesse Munro and I'm joined today by the beautiful Keelan Simpson. Oh, hello. And the iridescent Simon Evans. Ooh, iridescent, I like that. We're recording late, boys. I want to get a little bit, a little bit freaky. <laughs> oh, Speaking of love song dedications. Speaking of freaky, though, Final Fantasy VII demo dropped. How I about that? Sound, we so Ooh. pumped for this. Oh yeah, but we'll cover that next time. Anyway, down the track. But yes, <laughs> yeah. everyone, if you want to play Final Fantasy VII, the demo is now live. Jump onto the PSN, the PlayStation Store. Um, it went live a few hours ago. It's, I believe, it's the demo that I played at. Packs last year. Um, I don't really like Final Fantasy, but even I'll say, demo was pretty fucking cool. So like the first give it a level, whirl. right? And uh, it, it could be. I don't know what the first level looks like. Yeah, there were some bad guys. There was some cool hair. You know, Final Fantasy stuff. Yeah, described every Final Fantasy. Yeah, but we'll break that down for you in a bit more detail in the next episode. Um, but for tonight. Or today, or whenever you listen to this, let's go around the room. Keelan, you got some news for us, buddy. Some sad news. I do. I have some news. Mm. Um, Do you guys know what the Konami code is? Yes. Yes, I I did. I think everyone does. Okay, okay. You got. You got to tell me what's the code. If you know the code, tell me. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. B A start. Nailed it. B A. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. I think that's it. Wait, isn't it be a select start? Uh, no, because the start was only to start the game. Yeah, the start that's wasn't really select. part of the code. Yeah, of the next yeah no, that's why you select first. In yeah. any case, anyway, either guys, way, the sad I just news got, is I just got thirty extra lives. <laughs> I'm so virile. The sad news is that uh, the guy, the video game producer uh, Kazuhisa uh, Hashimoto, he passed away recently. Um, he. Is the one who implemented that code. Do you guys know like the history of why that code sort of exa- existed? Please, uh, I, tell us. Yeah, I don't story I don't mode particularly us. Know. I can story mode you. That's Ooh. why we're here, isn't it? Um, <laughs> basically, <credits>. wait. <laughs> basically, implemented this uh, this line into uh, Gradius to make uh, the game easier for playtesters because it was just too hard. It was too damn hard. So it gave you all the, the full power-ups. So um, he kind of forgot it in there when the game shipped and it just turned into a thing and Konami had it in their games ever since. Once it was released, they didn't want to remove it because they thought it may cause some bugs. Bugs? Crashes. Kind bugs, of bugs. Such. Yeah. Bugs. Yeah. I think, it was a, I think it was a good thing to forget in the game. I have um, yeah. fond memories of playing Konami, Konami games, specifically Contra, um, my cousin who introduced me to games, we spent just hours and hours playing uh, Contra on NES. Um, but I'm very proud to say, never used the Konami code because didn't know it existed. Duh. <laughs> Contra is hard as nails, though. So if you beat Contra without using the Konami code, like hats off to you. I think you deserve some sort of like veteran award. Oh, I, I never said I beat it. <laughs> 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 like a little caveat in that. Well, <laughs> it's it's such a well-known part of gaming that it is expanded beyond the games itself. It's like part of pop culture now. Mm, you got references in movies. There was uh, that bit in Wreck-It Ralph. Um, there's well, even like show that uses it. 
I'm sure there was. Um, but it's even gone over to like anime and even anime movies. Went and watched a, um, an anime movie and it's Konosuba. If you know what the Konosuba is, it's fucking hilarious. If you don't know... Definitely. I... Nah, love it. Love every <sighs> moment of it. It's so good. Love a Konosuba. One of my um, favorite things to eat. It's, it is genuinely really good. Anyway, um, there's a moment in the movie... <laughs> um, <laughs> that's fine <laughs> i'm assuming some people that are listening probably do um anyway there's, like there's a moment right no no it's it's an isekai anyway <laughs> i'm just trying to get to the point of the story <laughs> um yes yeah, so, well there's a scene where like they need to um figure out how to get into this super top secret dungeon that's been sealed off and they, no one can figure out how to get in there. It's been like a, it's been locked away for a hundred years, and the main character walks up to him and is like, "Hey, that's that's just a game controller," and puts in the Konami code. And sure enough, it opens up the door. <laughs> I it's like great. that. Yes, do check out Konosuba. It is fucking hilarious. But yeah, definitely a very sad um, piece of uh, personality and gaming history to lose. Mm, definitely, um, but certainly left a very positive mark. On the yeah. industry. Um, moving on to some sad, I mean, not as sad, but sad news. Um, GDC, the Game Developers Conference that would be happening in a few weeks, has been indefinitely postponed. Mm. Um, on the official website, the GDC organizers say, after close consultation with our partners in the game development industry and community around the world, we've made the difficult decision to postpone the Game Developers Conference this March. Having spent the last sorry, the past year preparing for the show with our ad, um, advisory boards, speakers, exhibitors, and event partners, we're genuinely upset and disappointed not to be able to host you at this time. Blah, 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 blah. Hopefully we do GDC later in the year. Now, the reason they cancelled this year is a bunch of um, developers and publishers and gaming personalities dropped out due to coronavirus fears, the old COVID-19. Mm. Um, so a lot of countries are going into full pandemic mode. Yeah, um, yeah I think it And was... these companies are doing I, 100% the right thing, yeah. putting their staff first and their health first. Um, I mean, the chance of a breakout happening are low, but, you know, you don't take any risk. So I think it could be the start of a few things getting cancelled. I wouldn't be shocked if... E3 uh, has the same fate this year due to coronavirus. I think, uh, personally, E3 should be cancelled, but not because of coronavirus, but because it's just Ooh, not as taste. Got fired. Yeah, they're free. <laughs> they're free, people. Yeah, well... Now, uh, so speaking of coronavirus, have you heard... I think it was like it was a crazy number, like 38% of people uh, surveyed in America... Were, are refusing to drink Corona because they believe it has connections with the coronavirus. So Corona stocks have plummeted. The company's in a bit of panic. They've got to rebrand it. I saw something about that and it was actually, it's a fake news title, really. I think it started off as just a parody, but people actually thought, well, you know what, that's stupid enough. I don't know. I, I've seen a lot. I think, it, I think it started off as like a joke thing and it's like, well, no, no, this actually... Is. Yeah, I, Dragon Sarsaparilla had a th- same thing when Sars went around. Nah, nah, those have always been low for that shit. <laughs> I hope we don't have like Red Bull flu next year. I kind of hope we do. You're gonna Red have Bull? a bad time, Jesse. 
I mean, also, Red Bull's yeah. not, not the best energy drink. Fight me. Uh, we could start a whole podcast on <laughs> that. Oh, God. Okay. We are and not also getting into have that. a fight. Um, but speaking of things that make me sick, Simon, not Simon, Simon, you don't make me wow. sick. Simon's story. Oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> You've started a You thing talk now. shit about Red Bull, you know? Uh, yeah, you you mess true. with the bull, you get the horns. <laughs> Two shit. Well done, actually. That was... Thank you. Thank Gotta you. give you that. Gotta give you that. Anyway, things that make us sick, uh, apart from diseases, um, the <laughs> top 10 Pokemon of the Year list mm. came out the other Ooh. day, and it is disappointing and any pokemon fans listening i'm disappointed in each and every one of you um <laughs> pretty much sorry <laughs> you felt um, wrong yeah i mean look, to, to cut to the chase number one was greninja well, actually, don't, which, don't say oh, you already said number one you already ruined yeah. it you ruined our thing people most people already know anyway yeah. I'll, I'll go through i'll go through the top 10 um so number 10 the number 10 spot went to gengar pretty cool pokemon no arguments there thumbs up yeah. Number nine, Gardevoir. I am personally Thumbs. surprised that's not, mm. you know, more of a favourite, personally, because uh, let's just say there are lots of... Um... Make sure you have Google Safe Search on, children, when you search up Gardevoir. Try and, try and stop me. <laughs> well, I'm not your real dad, Jesse, it's fine. Oh, no. Uh, number eight is Rayquaza, which... Fine. Yeah, cool, no arguments there. Pretty, pretty cool, snake. legendary. Yeah. Cool. Um, and out, out of those, out of the three legendaries from Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald, it is probably the coolest of of the ones of the three. Uh, number seven is Garchomp, bit of a shit one. It's just yeah. a land shark. Yeah, just a land shark. You know, it's, it's just a land shark, dragon thing, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Aesthetically, it's all right, and in terms of usability, it's really good. But I think it's overrated. Number six is Sylveon, which. Again, I find a little bit strange. I was expecting that to be it, a little bit higher, like a little bit lower down in the list, rather. Maybe like spot four. Um, again, I'm not going to argue much with that because Sylveon's a pretty cool Pokemon. Uh, not my favourite evolution. Um, number five is Umbreon. So two evolutions back to back as well. The wrong ones. Should have been Jolteon. Spiky Dog. I mean, excuse me, where's Espeon in this? Ah, 11th. Uh, <laughs> Thirteenth, no. ooh, <laughs> ooh. God. Um <laughs> No, but Espeon's way cooler. Anyway, um, personally, I do quite like Umbreon, and it is one of my mate's favourites. So, pretty happy for him that he's got he's got some representation. Uh, number four was disqualified from the competition because it's shit and shouldn't even exist. Uh, Get out of your Charizard, you base not bitch. <laughs> number three is Mimikyu, which I was very happy about actually. Because the whole Pokedex entry about Mimikyu is the fact that it uh, it wears a Pikachu disguise because it's not popular. And then it's just placed number three. Oh, it's so sad. Of, yeah. It's placed is it the number skin three. of another Pikachu? No, it's a, it's a ah, costume. Why bother? Do it hey, leave, leave Pikachu out of this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the fans did. <laughs> he shouldn't have. Uh, anyway. Uh, number two, Lucario, which is a personal favourite of mine. Yeah, because you play Smash. Oh, yeah, but not even because of that. Like, when I first found him in Generation 4, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's pretty cool. Fine and steel type, pretty strong, looks cool. It looks like a wolf, but with, like, metal coming out of his, out of his hands. What's not to like? Yeah. 
Uh, and then number one, as we discussed earlier, has also been disqualified for being a basic bitch. Now, there's also been a new Pokemon announced, but before we quickly go into that, I'm just going to give you the correct top 10. It's Rhydon, Torterra, Typhlosion, Scyther, Go-Goat, Cold Sand Slash, Jolteon, Sand Slash, Zapdos, Scyther again. Okay. Cold Sand Slash. We'll be um, doing <laughs> no further discussions on this one. Um, well, look, I haven't got a full top 10. I've got a top 5, however, um, which would be number 5, Lucario, number 4, Bulbasaur, number 3, Espeon, number 2, Arcanine, and number 1 is, of course, Pikachu, where he belongs. Trash. So tell oh. us about this new Pokemon. Um, it's called Zerud, I think. It's the rude. Yeah, I know. But with a Z. <laughs> uh, if uh, it can learn Sandstorm, oh the internet God, if it is can, done. Then, then the internet yeah. is over. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, I really, I really don't like it. I think it looks stupid. It acts like just a gorilla, but we've already got a gorilla grass type anyway in um, Rillaboom from Sword and Shield, and Rillaboom yeah, looks way game. cooler. I thought of a cool one. If they're gonna do an ape. Like a monkey ape, cool. Just Donkey Kong. Just put Have fucking one. Donkey Kong. Just dark type. Call it crime ape. That's clever. I like that. Eh? Alternatively, wow. if you want game freak, you... give me a call. Give me a call, baby. If you want to remind the internet of a very very dark time, you could call it Harambe. Aww. Oh yeah. God, you made even the happy news into sad <laughs> news. <laughs> that is right. No, the Pokemon news isn't happy. It's just. A bit depressing. <laughs> just news nowadays. <laughs> it's so, just a bit sad. I've just googled this Zarud thing. He looks like mm. some kind of like a weird baboon type thing. Yeah, right. But that's exactly, and it's it's got like a starring thing in the upcoming feature movie because Pokemon has about eighty million movies these days. Um, and yeah, I've I've watched the trailer. I looked at it and I went, "What's the point?" What is the point of I'll this? I'll be honest, he looks a lot cooler in the movie than he does in the game. Kind of looks terrible. Uh, baboons are terrifying, okay? I I kind of understand the appeal of yeah. making a Pokemon out of him, but, like, shit, they could have done a better job. Oh, they could have done a so much better job. And like I said, if they wanted to make a gorilla, just put in fucking Donkey Kong. <laughs> make him a fighting type. Done. And how funny would that be? All right. Boys, time for our main topic. There was some big news that came out last week. Uh, Phil Spencer, the Vice President of Gaming at Microsoft, on the Xbox Wire blog. (laughs) He's uh, going to expire. (laughs) He's like milk. Oh, no. Milky Spencer. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He's come out and gone over some of the uh, finer details, some of the technical points of the new Xbox Series X. X, uh, formerly known as Project Scarlet. Um, it was announced back at E3 2019, and this will be the first proper next-gen console under Phil Spencer's milky eye. Um, <laughs> he was obviously uh, had the same position of Vice President of Gaming when the uh, Xbox One X and One S came out a few years back, but that was like a half-step iteration, so it uh, doesn't count. Um before we go through the technical uh, details and our our great teacher, Keelan, explains uh, some of the finer points of it. First up, you guys seen the box? Yeah. It's pretty. Mm. I like it. I I do like it. I hold... Um, 
I've not not really ever been a massive fan of the Xbox consoles. I think the Xbox One looks just a bit boring, really. But I do like the the One X. Like it looks nice. It looks neat. I mean, and also, sorry, the One X or the Series X. Sorry, the Series X. Because apparently we only have one letter. Yeah. Let's not get to F and X. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Series X looks really nice, and I also like the fact that it is a vertical console. We haven't really ever had that. I mean, yeah, we've got consoles like the Wii and the Wii U and stuff, and even the PS4, which can stand vertically, but it's not the same. Consoles have only ever had one feature that made them go vertical. Yeah, sure, you can put them on the side, but it's never meant to, except for the Sony, the PlayStation design for the PS2, and I believe the PS3, where you could rotate the little logo. Oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. That is where console design peaked. Well, I'm looking at my Wii U right now with its sideways power button and eject button because I've got it standing upright because I've got no more space for my consoles at the moment. Awkward. Every time you say that you have a Wii near you, I'm like, I've got a bowl full of silver coins near me. We have the same thing near us. You can go trade that bad boy in EB Games. uh, Yeah, okay. Fair point. Same (laughs) Same value to EB Games, but... More, I don't know, sentimental value, that's for sure, in that Wii U. Sorry, I, I meant say, in, 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 in that bowl of silver coins. Much more yeah. sentimental value. I, I Kieran, say, what do you think about the console? I, I love the box. It uh, is vertical, much like a fridge. And what <laughs> do you keep in your fridge? Milk. Alcohol. Oh, Red Bull. <laughs> Milk, alcohol and Red Bull. This Guys, is the weirdest really fucking... are we thirsty right now? <laughs> talking about this drinks. Is... This is the Damn weirdest it. fucking house party I've ever been to. I am making well, a reference back to uh, Mr. Spencer's Milky <laughs> Arms in milky which he's Spencer. embracing us. Milky, milky Spencer. Alright, so um, Milky Spencer reached down to his udders of knowledge and he decided to, you know... <laughs> Let's uh, stop with the cow analogy before this gets any grosser. What, we're really milking the jokes? Yeah. Okay, we'll move on. So I'm going to go through a few of the quotes... Oh, Fuck, that was so good. Cool. But, um... I can't. I don't want to move. Oh! Oh! Oh, okay. got you there. Okay, I'm going to mix it up. I don't get things getting too cheesy. I'm going to go through a quote directly from the blog post, and Keelan's going to break it down for us a little bit. So, the blog post can be broken down into sections. So, first up, we have the 12 teraflops. So, I quote, The Xbox Series X is our most powerful console ever, powered by our custom-designed processor, leveraging AMD's latest Zen 2 and RDNA 2 architectures, delivering four times the processing power of an Xbox One and enabling developers to leverage 12 teraflops of GPU performance, twice that of an Xbox One X and more than eight times the original Xbox One. Keelan, the fuck's a teraflop? What the fuck is a teraflop? Um, is it a really bad floppy pancake? Teraflop? There you have it, guys. <laughs> Story <Yes>. mode. Live <laughs> and unpasteurized. <laughs> Just like that all-natural Greek yogurt or something <laughs> that Phil Spencer's clearly lavishing himself with. All right, let's Everyone, go back to we this. Are, we are banned from dairy jokes. What's How it? dare you... Oh, what's a flop? Whoa. Okay. Oh, God. We're never going to get back on topic here. No, and no. I'm okay with this. That made me dizzy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Story Mode, where we occasionally talk Keelan. about video game related stuff. Teraflops. 
teraflops. Tell me about them. So let's start off with a flop. What's a flop? A floating point operation. And um, it's essentially just math calculations. Um, a teraflop represents a trillion floating point operations. So the Xbox Series X can compute 12 trillion floating point operations. I think it's... Now, can I give some... second. I'm going to give you some context on this. Um, there was a tweet I saw from Daniel Ahmed at TheHugeEx on Twitter. Now, a megaflop is a unit of computing speed equal to 1 million floating point operations per second. The Wii U and PS Vita run at 2 megaflops. A teraflop, as Keelan just said, is a unit of computing speed equal to 1 trillion floating point operations per second. And the Xbox Series X has 12 of them bad boys. But for, for your everyday consumer, like myself, I don't know you. I don't know your GPUs from your CPUs. Actually, I do. But still, <laughs> what you does do. that actually mean for me? What am I going to be seeing with that extra power? For you as a consumer, what that translates to directly will be increased uh, picture quality and increased frame rates, essentially. That's what it will boil, boil down to. Um, that 12 number isn't going to mean anything, really. It tells us a lot of interesting information about the architecture of the Series X, the, the hardware itself, and um, it tells us a lot about its sort of like its lineage almost, like where, where it's coming from. Um, but for the person sitting down in front of their console, all that it means is that they're going to be getting higher frame rates, they're going to be getting higher resolutions. And really, that's, that's the intent. Now, as home consoles get closer and closer to PC quality, PC power, the two most powerful consoles we have running at the moment is the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X. The PS4 Pro running at 4.2 teraflops and the One X at 6 teraflops. With the Series X, Keelan, you're probably our main PC guy. How close are we getting? With the Series X to yes. PC? Yeah. Right. Okay, so so to kind of give you give you an idea of where we're kind of at at the moment, um, the Series X has twelve teraflops of GPU um, power essentially. If you want to compare that to AMD's highest end card right now, uh, the fifty seven hundred XT offers about nine point something teraflops. Um, there's a there's a big divide there. There's a huge gap. Um, what this indicates is essentially that the the software the the hardware rather is something that isn't out yet it's something that's not available in the PC space that's kind of exciting because it's sort of indicating where PC hardware is going to be headed within the next few years um, that being said you can't directly compare teraflops from one GPU architecture to another it doesn't exactly translate it's more like a rough kind of figure to give you an idea more or less of what it is you're going to get at the at the end of the day um so whether that translates into like a significant step up in power uh, i'm not too sure but from where we're standing right now there looks to be a generational leap between the xbox one x and the xbox series x there's a huge power gap there so we have seen the power at work um already uh, at E3, we saw a little bit of Halo footage and a little bit... Uh, sorry, at the Game Awards, we also saw footage of Senua's Sacrifice Hellblade 2. So we have seen mm -hmm. this running. Um, 
it looks bloody good. Uh, Senua's Sacrifice, the facial animation in that are so off-putting, but that's what they were going for. It exactly. made me uncomfortable. <laughs> it is very uh, animalistic. Real. Exactly. It I came can't across tell. threatening. I can't tell whether it's, it makes me uncomfortable because it's incredibly hyper-realistic or because it's just right in the point of the uncanny valley where I just feel uncomfortable, you know? Um, yeah. But the, the visuals displayed on that game blow my mind because... Oh, they're crazy. Not just because like of the quality of like the facial animations, but when you look at the scenes that they show there as well, there's a lot of what you can see that you, you can actually pick out uh, rendering artifacts. You can see uh, mistakes in it, essentially. So you know that it's being rendered in real time. That's freaking thrilling. Um, if we're going to get that kind of graphical fidelity from the games that we're, we're going to get into the, the near future... Oh man, I can't wait to see what we're going to get at the the end of the the console life cycle, much less in the PC space. I, it is always so bizarre when you go back to see some of the uh, earlier trailers for a current gen console. Oh, go like, go go yeah, have a look sure. at like the early PS3 games and you're like, what is this? Okay. Especially compared to some of like like end of the lifespan for PS3 when you had like Last of Us come out and you're right. like Damn, that looks good. Like, even still, I think Last of Us on the PS3 holds up. But if you go and look back at, like, the early, early days mm-hmm. of PS3, it looks kind of weird. Genji, yeah, I mean, I went back recently blamed. and I played Uncharted 1. And I remember when I first played Uncharted 1, like, my eyes were watering. I'm like, this is beautiful. <laughs> when you, when right. Nathan Drake steps into the mud and the water and he comes out and his pants He's are glistening that they're wet. wet and they dry for every time and the leaves, when you walk through them, each leaf moves individually. But you look back at now, it looks like shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not so, wrong. Yeah. A few years from now, these consoles are going to be running some crazy shit. Yeah. Um, and that kind of brings us into our next point that uh, Milky Spencer's touched upon, VRS, or Variable Rate Shading. I got a quote from the blog. Our patented form of VRS empowers developers to more uh, effect- efficiently, sorry, efficiently utilize the full power of the Xbox Series X. Rather than spending GPU cycles uniformly to every single pixel on the screen, they can prioritize individual effects on specific game characters or important environmental objects. This technique results in a more stable frame rate, and higher resolution with no impact on the final image quality. Keelan, what does this mean? This is some cool stuff. This is technology that isn't available in on any of AMD's uh, hardware at the moment. It's only available on NVIDIA's uh, Turing series GPUs. Um, essentially, I think the best way to describe it is to give you an example. Um, essentially, the way they describe it there is to instead of spending your GPU budget, your rendering budget on things that aren't necessarily noticeable, noticeable to the, uh, the viewer, they skimp on those areas and they apply that uh, energy elsewhere. So that would be resolution and frame rate. So to give you an example, um, we've all played like racing games, uh, Gran Turismo, Forza mm-hmm. Horizon, yeah. that kind of thing, um, where when you're playing in third too. person... <laughs> I'm one of like four people that own that game on PC, I swear. Man, that's a bit sad. (laughs) It was not a bad game. No, Um, no. Anyway. Looking at a a game like that, you're playing on a third-person perspective. Um, You have this big car in the center, this amazing high polygon count 3D model. It looks incredible. There's reflections off of it. It's just nuts. 
and you are speeding through an environment and you're going past it at such a fast rate that you can't actually discern what's going on on the site. Uh, additionally, uh, there's some kind of post-process motion blur going on as well. So it's all kind of blurry. <laughs> yeah. You can't really see what's going on. It doesn't matter. So why spend your GPU budget on rendering that stuff in full detail when you could spend that GPU budget uh, pushing a higher frame rate or a higher resolution instead? Um, that's essentially the technology behind VRS. You're taking areas of the image where it doesn't need to be high fidelity. You're decreasing the quality there and taking the savings there and applying it to other areas as necessary. It's really cool. It's going to really help, uh, I think, push the the image crispness to a whole new level. Mm. I'm really looking forward to playing games that are natively rendered in 4K. I think this is one of the technologies yeah. that'll allow you to do that. And I imagine it could also be used narratively if oh, the developers want to steer eye in a certain direction. I guess it is one of the visual aids that they, they, they could use to make it not stand out. I really... It annoys me in games when they break the immersion by having this, like, this door's glowing. Like, <laughs> oh, I wonder what could be behind glowing? the magical door. Go but to I, the like, light. I like when they take little visual cues. I'm For memory, I think a game that did it quite well. I mean, Uncharted always done it quite well. Something's just a little bit different. And you're like, oh, okay, I can, I can take that. I can touch that. I can interact with that. So hopefully they can use that uh, and take that a little bit further with the uh, VRS um, mm. Moving on to the next little detail, we have hardware accelerated direct X ray tracing. Hey, you, ray tracing. you can expect mm. more dynamic and realistic environments powered by hardware accelerated direct X ray tracing, a first for console gaming. This means true to life lighting, accurate reflections, and realistic acoustics in real time as you explore the game world. Keelan. What is direct X ray tracing? Hardware accelerated direct Hardware X ray tracing. Hardware accelerated ray tracing. It's a technology that's only available on one brand of graphics processing unit right now, and that's NVIDIA's RTX line. Um, what ray tracing is, for starters, it's basically, mm, how would I describe it? You're tracing the path of light. So um, it's. You're tracing sort- the rays. Hold on. Basically, um, what is ray tracing? Tracing rays. What? Wow. Direct A ray tracing is tracing the rays directly. Oh, if, um, let, oh holy let's, shit! Let's let's refer to the Wikipedia page and just read this out. <laughs> I guess um, it's this is terrible. This is unuseful. This is not great. The best thing okay, that I can do on. to describe this. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, from my relatively limited understanding of it, if I contribute and then you correct me, um, my understanding is that basically it makes lighting far more accurate. As in, hey, look, that is a light source. It's going to it is going to trace the rays as it would be true to life, as opposed to, um, you know, where it just goes, oh, yeah, that's a light source and here's some lighting effects. It's basically, yeah. Far more accurate accurate basically i think lighting so, is something that people forget in games add so much immersion to it um going back to a, a game that i've mentioned probably a few times already to you guys resident evil 4 there is a moment that will always stick with me where you're walking kind of between where it goes from castle to science lab because the game's ridiculous and there's a room where you you walk into a room and there is a throne of sorts at the end and there's light coming through the bars in the window 
And I remember just walking back and forth in this room being like, why does this area look so good? It, it felt like, oh, hey, here's a next-gen hallway. Just give it a go. Tell us what you think. I keep walking through. I'm like, why does this look so good? And yeah, it was the lighting. It adds so much to the world. Yeah, and I actually, talking about, because going to the acoustic mention of it, I reckon that is where it will see the most use. It will be in horror those games. horror games. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, imagine Resi 7 or what will be Resi 8 with, you know, accurate, distinct sound effects. And you can hear, oh, shit, that thing's coming from behind me. What is that tapping? What is that clicking noise? What the f-? Or, you know, something along those lines. And, you know, it's, it's going to just absolutely drop you in the immersion I really think there's, so good. there's something to that as well because not just the Xbox announcement, but I think the the PlayStation Five announcement as well mentioned um, audio ray tracing. So I yeah. feel like the application is probably going to be a little bit stronger there. Um, it's not a mature technology. That's the thing. It's it doesn't mm. perform particularly well, um, and it's difficult to get good effects out of it. There are some games. Uh, currently right now on in the pc space which have incredible implementations of ray tracing technology um games like control um but then there are games that don't like shadow of the tomb raider which is pointless and yeah i bought that for seven dollars good good price actually yep i think that's fair it's worth two and a half anthems (laughs) (laughs) high five i mean not even anthem is worth an anthem Hey, they're redoing it. I've got high hopes. Mm, I bought low, we'll and I'll see. sell high. We'll see. Nah, nah. <laughs> Very interesting to me as well because um, back on the ray tracing topic, it's something that uh, AMD doesn't have on in the PC space right now. So that is that cool is true. That. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I imagine there'll probably be some updated um, AMD cards shortly after or before. I have, the release, which will probably include that technology. I have I no doubt. You might have heard Jesse mention earlier, um, he said something about RDNA 2, which I think is like mm, a, yeah. the framework, essentially, that um, the Series X GPU is being built upon and what they will be building the next generation of um, desktop GPUs on as well. So we'll see more about that very soon, I'm sure. All right, next up, now this is steering away a little bit more from the technical side of things and more into a feature. The quick resume for multiple games. Quote, The new quick resume feature lets you continue multiple games from a suspended state almost instantly, returning you to where you were and what you were doing without waiting through long loading screens. Now, Keelan, this kind of exists already, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing on uh, the original, the Xbox One. Uh, the Xbox One X, it's a feature, um, and it doesn't work well, unfortunately. It's oh, it's <laughs> not good. It's not good. Um, there are a lot of side effects to it. There are some really weird things. So you'll you'll turn your Xbox off, and then you'll come back, and you'll quick resume. You'll go back into your game, and all of a sudden, your performance is like cut in half, and your game is stuttering and lagging, and it's going all weird. There's strange glitches. You need to save the game, quit it, and then go back into it to resolve those issues. It's not effective technology right now so i'm hoping that uh, when they implement it on the series x they're not going to have that problem as well well it's not so much it's not functional right now i guess it just wasn't functional at the time of the console coming out Mm. uh no it's still it's still not functional 
Uh, that's what I'm saying. They haven't really been developed that much more, have they? No. no. Well, what they're promising as well is like well and beyond what is uh, capable of now. I think you, you're able to uh, put like five games on hold. Yeah, I, th- I think I got five from somewhere. I'm sure I read five. Yeah, here it just says multiple here. But yeah, I think I've, I sure think I've read, read five, five as well. Mm. Mm. Which who's playing five games at once? That way I am. But, <laughs> right, but also, right, my concern with that is, let's say, for example, because um, I, I do shift work, I do, like, four days back-to-back and then four off, but they're, they're long days and I don't have time, really, to play games afterwards. So let's say I, I don't know, the last day before my shift, playing a game, I'll go, oh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll pause that, I'll suspend that, come back to it later, get busy, forget about it, come back to it, you know, five days later, essentially, when I've finally got some free time. Like, oh yeah, what was I doing? Fuck. I've left this I've left the Xbox on the whole time. I can't remember what I did five days ago. I feel like it's just gonna be a little bit pointless. Whereas I feel like with saving you because it's such a a forced thing, you go, right, yep, I've got to save here. Even with autosaves, generally speaking, it's at a dedicated point. It's when you walk into a city, it's when you walk into a pub, it's when you, you know, go into a menu and you go, Okay, yeah, I remember. I was looking for this item in my menu, or oh yeah, I wanted to go in here to chat to this NPC, and it's forced memory in that sense. Whereas I feel like with just being able to suspend it, you're going to be like, I'm in the middle of butt fuck nowhere. What am I doing? I think it just depends on the on the moment. So it's not going to it's not going to help you in every single situation. But if I'm playing, say, Out of Wilds, and then I get a message saying, Hey, do you want to play some uh, Division Two? Mm, okay, just, yeah, it's not, that, yeah, it's not going to help in every single situation, but I think in the times it can, I think it's yeah, quite yeah. I, I, I could see it like in that sort of application, definitely. But I feel like it it will also lead to people being like, "What the fuck was I doing?" Um, now on to the last and to me most exciting feature of the Xbox Series X: smart delivery. Uh, Again, quoting from the Xbox Wire post by Phil Spencer. This technology empowers you to buy a game once and know that whether you're playing it on Xbox One or Xbox Series X, you're getting the right version of that game on whatever Xbox you're playing on. We're committed making sorry, we're making the commitment to use smart delivery on all our exclusive Xbox Game Studio titles, including Halo Infinite, ensuring you only have to purchase a title once in order to play the best available version for whichever Xbox console that uh, you choose to play on. Now I know that quote does say Xbox Game Studio titles, but that has gone a little bit further with CD Projekt Red coming out and confirming that Cyberpunk 2077 will take advantage of the smart delivery service. So you could buy this on your Xbox One, and when you get your Series X, you're good to go. Won't be day one. I know that with Cyberpunk. It won't be day yeah. one. So I don't know how yeah. long the delay will be. Well, but I mean, cool. but that was the case. That was the case, actually, with the PS3 as well, when you transitioned to the PS4. Yeah, you still had to like, you had to repurchase a handful of games, but I think it was at a very low price. Very fair price as well, To in all honesty. But... um. Yeah, there was there was a few games where it was like, oh yeah, this will be coming over to the PS4. Give us two months, or yeah. whatever, and it came through. I like but this. I mean, I really like it. I think it's a super consumer friendly move in an industry that isn't very famous for being consumer friendly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it plays a lot into Microsoft's strategy with um, Game Pass as well. Um, yes. This is kind of yeah, great. Yeah. You're gonna have. Um, your game that you can play on any of your Xbox family platforms, I guess. That's 
amazing. You're right, Simon. Consumer friendly is the right word. It's consumer friendly. It definitely promotes the console as more of a the Xbox brand as a platform rather than a number yeah. of different consoles. Mm-hmm. And I think going on last or sorry, the current gen, uh, Microsoft is a fair bit behind. Yeah, this is a really really good step to I making mean, up that difference. Um, I'll be fascinated to see what Sony does. I think they basically have to do the same thing. Because uh, if not, it's... Mm, yeah, I feel like it's a... Like my, my question with it is, who's going to be footing the bill for that? If they're saying no additional cost to us, which is fine. Um, but like I said, you know, during the PS3 to PS4 sort of swap over transition period, the it was the consumer that had to pay. And sure, it wasn't a huge amount of money but you still had to pay. That was even a thing with the Wii and the Wii U. There were certain versions of games that you could re-download on your Wii U for a slight price, for like an extra $2 or something. Um, And it would run just a little bit better on the Wii U and blah, blah, blah. But who's footing the bill in this one? I mean, I I don't think there's any developer that would willingly give away an additional copy of their game for free. Microsoft just going to absorb it. I reckon. I reckon it is Microsoft, which... I mean, look, Bill Gates is the richest person in the world, so <laughs> clearly Microsoft say, are doing... they got a lot of cash. They are investing yeah. in the platform. This is just one Let's of the ways they're doing this. Phil Spencer's drinking that full cream milk, okay? <laughs> None of that going out of Coles and getting that $1, filth. Mm. Okay. Rich and creamy. Rich, cremery, milk. Delicious <laughs> milk. Oh. Milk. Yeah. All right. It makes it sound like a disease. So, uh, what, what? This all is all well and good, but what are the games we're going to be playing on this thing? Well, there is a, a list of confirmed but not locked for launch titles. So, just going through them, we've got Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, as mentioned before, Gods and Monsters, which I mentioned last week. Very excited for that one. Halo Infinite. I mean, of course, Outriders. Don't know what that is. Senua's Saga, Hellblade 2, mentioned um, earlier. You always like a Tom Clancy game, so have two. We've got Rainbow Six Quarantine and Rainbow Six Siege. Watch Dogs Legion and possibly Godfall. Can anyone confirm that? I know Godfall is confirmed for the PS5, but I believe it's multi-platform. I have read that it is multi-platform. I don't know for definite, though. Um, Um, So none of these games are fully locked for launch i would say you could lock in halo infinite i think yeah. you could lock in Hellblade they need to 2. have a console seller at, at launch i think these are the two games that are really pushing halo infinite is going to get your uh your bolt on xbox fans um and your multiplayer fans hellblade hmm. 2 i think it's going to be there uh shot across the bow shot across the bow to Sony, so Sony has a bunch of really good single-player narrative-driven stories um, games at the moment. So you got God of War, Horizon, stuff like that. I think Hellblade Two will be their attempt at that. Hopefully, it's a hit. Um, I think you can almost lock in a, for- a new Forza game because how else do you show off a new console? You show it oh, off with Forza. Um, yeah, that's true. And also, you show it off with an NBA game. Ugh, let's not get into that. Well, I mean, I mean, it's NBA games and like sport games are for everyone, but they are yeah. pretty games. Like when you see, mm. it's always like, look at the sweat 
I'm like, okay, is there anything else? Yeah, mm. look at the sweat. Look at the pores in these sweaty wet boys. Mm. Mm. Okay, but like, if you go, if you look at FIFA, it'd be like, yeah, look at the look at the holes in the grass from their boots. Yeah, look at yeah. it. They have a slight stain on their socks. It, but, all right, I like the cloth physics. Sport games, I think, yeah. are a really good way to show off a console because it's something uh, that we're so used to seeing in real life, where we're on oh, yeah, TV absolutely. or actually in the in the crowd, that we have a direct comparison. Whereas mm. everything else kind of kind of goes into that uncanny valley of like, it looks realistic, but I don't know what a real dragon looks like. So uh, <laughs> maybe you know, who knows? Maybe one day we'll find an alien. Okay, and they're going to be, you know, really low poly count. Could you imagine? <laughs> it looks I like crypto eight- from um, Destroy Human on PS2. <laughs> I am it's an like, eight-dimensional being. Oh, cool. Show me your true form. You can't even comprehend it, and it's just a link from Ocarina of Time. It's like two, like, running like, two FPS. Yeah. It's like, fuck, <laughs> you're slow, buddy. <laughs> he he does actually so have a full walk animation. He just jutters back and forth. So um, disappointed. <laughs> I wanted to bring something up quickly as well, Jesse. Yep. Um, I think, you know, we've spoken a lot about like possible exclusive games and stuff like that, but the Xbox with the One X has sort of established a reputation of having like the premier multi-platform game experience on it. Like that's where it looks best. That's where it performs best. It's on the Xbox One X. And I think the Series X is going to continue that tradition. So um, I think they're going to be hanging on multi-platform games a lot harder than first-party ones. Whilst I personally understand where you're coming from, I am going to disagree with you slightly and say that the best multi-platform experience has and forever will be PC. Boo! (laughs) (laughs) Completely disagree with that. Um, no, but all, all jokes aside, yeah, I, I think that is probably going to be their... That's going to be their selling point, I reckon. Because they've, they've done very well. And they've... Like, Microsoft and even Nintendo have had a really good relationship over, like, the past couple of years. And, you know, getting things like Cuphead on the Switch is awesome. But mm. it's always going to look better on an Xbox. Oh, man. Cuphead 2 running on a Series X. Oh, oh. That would, Can you imagine the animation That's quality in that? Now, oh. before we get into prices, um, we have mentioned the Xbox One X a few times, but I also earlier mentioned the One S. So the last half-step iteration, which is what I always call it, had two different SKUs, a premium and, you know, an entry-level one. And rumor has it that the Series X will do the same thing. Now, none of this is confirmed, but these rumors that propelled this also contained leaks of the tech um, specs we just went through, and they were correct. So I would say this is pretty much a shoe-in. The codename Lockhart will debut without a disk drive, much like the Xbox One All Digital Edition, and Microsoft is tweaking the console's hardware so it's less powerful than the main console of the Series One X. While still only a rumor, it was part of various posts alongside the tech specs, which have proven to be true. Lockhart is said to have a solid-state drive and a faster CPU than any current video game console, although this is to be expected for an next-gen device. It's likely that the diskless Lockhart console is designed for use with Xbox Game Pass and xCloud streaming service. Again, just another example of how Xbox is now a platform, not just a console. The mm-hmm. Xbox Game Pass... Is making this. Um, I'm tempted. The game pass uh, is pretty like, sick, and I only discovered uh, this like a year ago. I've got to disagree with you on the thought of digital only console. 
really got to disagree with you. The the games pass in and of itself fine, like not not, not a massive deal. I can't really disagree with that. I think that's fine. It's actually got a very healthy catalog, and for the price point as well, it's awesome value for money. Cannot disagree with that. However, I have issue with the streaming service. I agree. I actually agree with you. However, no, I'm going to assume that your your worry is whose games are these? You don't own well, them. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. Because I I am a fan of owning my games. I, for example, um, my Switch. Every big major game, I will go and buy a physical copy. Indie games, I will download off of the eShop. Um, but yeah, any big physical game, I want to own that. I want a physical copy of that. I want a collector's edition if it's something like Smash Bros or Zelda or whatever. I don't want to talk about how much money I spent on Breath of the Wild when it released. Too much. Right? <laughs> Over a grand. Um, Dude, did you get EB Games? Yeah. You got ripped off. I, pre- I pre-ordered and paid for everything. Like I got the collector's edition. I got all of the Amiibos. I got a character. Because it was obviously the Switch release day um, as well. Hey, Simon. I, got, bloody, yeah. I bloody love you, mate, but you're a fucking nerd. <laughs> right. <laughs> Zelda's like my number one franchise. Leave me alone. okay anyway getting back to my actual point which is yeah i have issues with streaming services for games because as it stands currently i mean more and more with the terms of service it's taking the power away from you you no longer own your games you own a license to play the game you do not own it that is the case with steam problem is it's got such a chokehold on the market that is the case with epic games that is the case with um the Nvidia streaming service. No, that's got other issues. Actually, no, that's... That has no games. Yeah. <laughs> Although, See, actually, with that, Steam taking our games. That Nvidia thing, the developers are taking their games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, even with um, oh god, what's the other one? The Google Stadia. Almost totally forgotten that existed for a second. Everyone did. You don't own Google, those games. Google definitely did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just another. It's another thing in the Google graveyard. Now, I, um, I think. Like this is an interesting topic. We could make a whole episode out of this topic, and I think we we should. Yeah. However, I think going to all digital is an an inevitability, and if it makes it things accessible for people, like not everyone can afford, and we'll go into price in a moment. No one can have. Not everyone can afford the Series One, the Series X. Sorry. Yeah. I think this is a really good entry point for people who maybe a little bit more casual. It'll, it'll, it'll be a little bit smaller. It'll be a little bit like out power hungry because these things are going to chew through power. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And look, in that sensibility, absolutely. And I'm always for accessibility for games um, in any any sense, really. Um, but just from a consumer perspective and knowing what the game industry is like. I mean, there are so many awesome games that you can no longer play because you can't... Like, the servers have shut down. Um, they were a single-player game, but they had to have online RDM. R- RDM? Yeah, anyway. Same case, though, with... You can own a physical copy of a game and the servers go down. Multiplayer game, you're done. Unfortunately, that's just always sort of been the, the go with games. You can have games mm-hmm. now where you can't really buy the console. Um, and that's why I think you know, remakes are so impo- are genuinely important. I think um, remakes and remasters are definitely coming back into Let's put a pin in that, though, because I definitely want to go into that further on a, on a future episode. Oh, we can yes. discuss... The, yeah, the, definitely. Because I, I, I love my gaming shelf. I love all, all the cases there. It's like a bookshelf, but it, it's right. more expensive. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I can see uh, Switch, Wii U, uh, GameCube, PS4, um, did I say 3DS? 
<laughs> PSP, DS games. I've got, I've got loads. I just over. I have corner. a copy of The Last of Us next to me because I never leave it. Let it leave my side. I'm weird like that. Ooh. I'm looking up. <laughs> you call me the fucking nerd. Yeah, um, yeah, nerd. I mean, yeah. It takes one to know one. Um, yeah, true. So to <laughs> That's kind of wrap it up on on the Xbox um, price and launch date, I want to hear from you guys. So, um, an Australian price hasn't been announced yet, but not, uh, Microsoft has announced that the Xbox Series X will launch in quote holiday 2020. Now, the 360 and uh, one Xbox One. They both came out on November 22nd, so I imagine we're looking at November 22nd. Yep. Sounds 100%. good. 100%. Um, yeah. With price, at the price point, the last Xbox console to come out was the Xbox One X One Terabyte Edition. That came out, and when that first came out, that was 650 bucks. Um, that came out back in November of 2017. And it's currently $619 at JB Hi-Fi, so not really much of a drop there. Um, you can get them cheaper, you know, if you look of around course. hard enough. But just a basic search on JB Hi-Fi had it at six nineteen. Now that original price point of six fifty did actually work out cheaper than it's than the direct translation from the US dollar. Um, the I hope uh, we US... see that again. <laughs> Sorry, I hope we see that again because yeah, I think often, we will. yeah, yeah, often the Australian prices of games in and of themselves are an extra twenty percent over the American version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the dollar's not doing great right now, so I know that discrepancy has oh, become more. My ballpark figure is seven fifty for the um, mm. Series X, and I'm mm-hmm. going to say three fifty to three hundred for the the Lockhart, the discless oh, edition. Man. Would you go that cheap? Yep. Yeah, hundred percent, dude. You've made. Yeah, I think yeah, as that's... the as a console gets more expensive, you still want people to access and be um able to get into that space into that world yeah i think you yeah, need to you're you're gonna lose money on both consoles but you need to make one accessible you want more people to come in and hopefully upgrade down the track and they'll be making their money through games and stuff like that and game pass and all that type of stuff i think you've got to take that hit again mm. like i said they're coming from behind they've got That's to do something here. and That's- if you can undercut the rumor is that the PS5 will have two iterations as well, which I think is the best way to go forward. If you can have a more powerful premium version, uh, which by all rumors, the Xbox Series X will be more powerful than the PS5, and you have a, then a cheaper uh, accessible version, you've started off really well. Yeah, I think it would definitely be a good launching point. Um, I don't know if it would be that cheap, though. I, I can't. I can't fathom, like... All of the components being that cheap to... Oh, they're going to take a hit. Yeah. I mean, if they make a little bit of profit over the like with the main iteration, then cool. They can take that loss all day long because at the end of the day, they're going to make the money back tenfold with upgrades, um, with you know selling the original version and also on the games. But yeah, I think it, I, th- I can't really disagree with your price estimate. I think you've got a pretty accurate... There I don't think we'd see anything too far off. Is a real spanner in the works here. Coronavirus is already having an effect on a lot of uh, tech outlets, so it'll be interesting to see if that um, causes a scarcity on parts, it causes delays, mm-hmm. causes increase in price. I mean, the whole US um, trade war with China could increase the, the price as well. There's a lot of I mean, things at play here that no one saw coming. But 
Alternatively, if there is a scarcity, you could say, oh, it's a limited run, call yourself to Nintendo and make fucking bank. Yeah, but that's gross. That's gross. <laughs> I'm, I'm still salty about the fucking NES classic. Keelan, what do you think? When, do, when, is, when is this thing coming out? And uh, price points. Yeah, it's definitely November. I'm thinking 700 to $800. I'm not sure. I'm thinking that we need to compare the this console market now more to... Uh, phones, mobile phones. We've got that's like a fair point, actually. One thousand three hundred dollar phones that people are like paying for every yeah. two years, you know. Um, but then mm-hmm. there are also mm-hmm. like entry levels, like this the Lockhart machine you were talking about. Um, cheaper con- uh, consoles that will sort of get you in the door and do the job. Um, and when you're you're invested in the platform, you can you know spend some real cash and get the Series X and uh, get the best quality experience you can possibly get. I don't think uh, although, 800 is out of the question. Although, on, on that note, though, like you raise a very, very valid point. The thing with mobile phones, which they have going for them, and the part of the reason why they can continue to increase in price every year, is that a lot of them will come with a contract and a payment plan. That is rumoured. Ooh. Okay. I, I have heard rumours. They've just been rumours, though. But I think we'll get to that point where consoles can be sold by contract. If you pay, pay X amount and you're going to get Game Pass for this, you're going to get the console, da, 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 get this and that. That's it. I think you get your Xbox Live, your PS. It's not a bad you hit idea going the forward, and I can see that uh, becoming could, the yeah. norm. But, I mean, like I said, that's still a rumor, and there's still a heap of information to come out with this console. So, as it comes mm. to hand, we'll know to have a few more episodes focusing on the Xbox um, closer to its release date, hopefully in November, uh, and we'll... As the PS5 details come to hand, we can then start doing comparisons and kind of help help everyone understand what what are you actually paying for? Because it's all yeah. well and good to read these blog posts, but I didn't understand Dick when I read it, to be honest. So, Keelan, <laughs> yeah, for Keelan, thank you for opening up my mind. Um, so we're gonna have to wrap it up there, boys. Um, before we go though, just a shout out: we are now on Spotify and on iTunes. So go check us out. Just search uh, uh, Story Mode. A video game podcast uh and if you're on itunes give us the old review uh preferably five stars but if you give us a one star tell us why we're looking to improve um also check out fan critical podcast on all good podcast services i just started listening to the new patreon exclusive one which actually been made available to everyone they're doing a bit of a review on a fantastic film inception and I, as I'm listening to it, Ooh. I can hear how excited Gareth is. Because every time I've ever had a beer with he that guy, he talks about absolutely Inception. Absolutely one of his favorites. Yeah. Every Me and time him have I've had ever been out discussions. with him, he's spoken about Inception. So this has been his calling in life. Um, so go check that out. <laughs> They're also reviewing The Outsider, and they have a massive back catalog. Go check that all out. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us some questions, give us some feedback, anything like that. Uh, shoot us an email at storymodevideogamepodcast at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook and Twitter at storymodepod. Um, go on them and check out our artwork as well. Um, that artwork was done by the amazing Sarah Snorlax. You can check out her uh, artwork on Instagram at in but we trust. If you want to see a bunch of cartoon buttocks, we all do. Okay. Um, but honestly, I love that handle. I think it's, it's fantastic. Brilliant. It's so good. And if you want to chuck a couple of bucks our way, jump onto the Patreon, fan, fan critical Patreon, to get access to extra shows and access to the Discord server run by our very own Simon Evans. Yay, I know how Yay. Discord works. Yay. Teach me, please. A lot of trial and I'm, error. I'm getting there. All right, Kion, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Thank you. Simon, always a pleasure. 
Always a pleasure, guys. And thank you for listening. We will speak to you next week. Bye. Live and unpasteurized.